From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, to mark the 200th episode, two men making their own contribution, past and present, to the local community and the world. First, Ipswich-based businessman Martin Corkery, on a personal humanitarian mission to Ukraine, reveals firsthand what he witnessed. And remembering a different pace of life in Ipswich of the 50s and 60s, through the eyes of amateur radio operator Ron Granderson. It's Sunday, August 7, 2022, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Martin Corkery is no stranger to the local business community, having previously served as President of Ipswich Chamber of Commerce from 2007 to 2009. He is also a member of the Rotary Club of Ipswich City. In his spare time, he lends a hand to support community organisations and has a strong humanitarian spirit which has taken him deep into Ukraine. This is a personal mission to explore what he can do to help. I caught up with Martin a day after he returned to his European base in Paris. I began by asking what compelled him to venture into a war zone. Well, I think um, as a Rotarian, um, with as many people in the world, and Ukraine the particular one, who is uh, strongly disadvantaged in Paris and they're, and they're very poor, they've lost their homes because of the result of the, the Russians bombing them and, and so on. And, and it was very epic when I, when I saw it there. Before we talk about your visit to Ukraine, you've, you've just got back in the last day or two. Have you got a feel for what the overall public reaction is in France to Russia invading Ukraine? Are the locals concerned? They're very concerned. A lot of, see, the, 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 the women and children uh, are allowed to leave Ukraine. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. And they, they uh, then become citizens of France uh, or learning French and so on, because before... All they spoke was Ukraine. The men are not allowed to leave because they're required for army service. Do you have any information on how many refugees have made it to France? I estimate about four million. How did you go about planning your trip into a war zone? It was done by a few contacts I had, and the result of you know people who um, were helpful who lived in Poland, and they got me in, and uh, um, and I met uh, the the crew, the drivers. Who took me into Ukraine? It was a long way, a long journey. Um, I flew into uh, <clears throat> into Poland, um, a place called Krakow, and there I was picked up uh, and taken over the border. The border entry into uh, Poland stroke um, Ukraine takes about twelve hours to crossing the border so uh, because you, of the. But you had to line up for twelve hours. Yes. Wow. How did they treat you? The Ukrainians loved us. All they wanted to do was to... Um, it's quite emotional. I talk about them. Mm. But um, they were warm. I stayed with a family in Ukraine. Again, another introduction. And uh, it was just fantastic. And they they were just so warm. Um, it's very different from us in, in Australia. 
I mean, there was no internet, for example. Very rare. You were totally cut off. And that, that's, yeah. Mm. They can't afford it. And how many days did you spend there? Four days. And what did you do once you got there? Did you go to a number of towns or did you basically just stay in the we, same We area? Stayed, in, stayed in locations which were safe from the Russians. So the western sector of Ukraine is safe um, from the Russians. Uh, the Russians are in the eastern sector. And can we, can we compare the distances uh, to somewhere in Australia, Martin, to give us an idea of how far away that war zone is? From the war zone, probably about 600 kilometres so once you got there, you obviously had a, a bit of a wish list of what you wanted to achieve. Uh, what did you actually achieve? Uh, that's a good question. I think if I was listening and, uh, and recording on my GoPro there, um, I don't speak Ukraine, uh, but, but you can see the emotion on their people's faces and the destruction that the Russians have done. Uh, it, it was just amazing. But the Ukrainians... Uh, what so the difference between them and the Russians? The, the Ukrainians live there, work there, and love their country, but subsequently the Russians don't. They're there to do a job and to kill people and destroy buildings, and that's what. It, or that, that's the result of that. Those four days. How much destruction did you see, and can you describe it for us? Oh, buildings totally destroyed. You said you met some local families through some other intermediaries. Yes. What, what were they telling you of how, how they feel and how their lives have just been totally <laughs> turned upside down, obviously? Well, they were just telling me about the, what, what, what occurred in February, March this year in their villages. I mean, the Russians uh, destroyed bridges and, and various, uh, various other places. And um, Chernobyl was a, a well-known name yes. in, in uh in the world. Chernobyl was captured by the, the, the Russians, but subsequently the Ukrainians got it back. So it's now under U Ukraine rule. But the Russians um, tried to destroy the um, TV stations, but they were totally unsuccessful, except in the areas of the eastern where they've converted them to Russian news and Russian passports, uh, etc. Did you feel in danger at any time while you were in Ukraine? No. Even though the war was, as you say, five, six hundred kilometres away. What's going to be your lasting memory? Of oh, the people's faces. Yeah. The, the sadness on their faces. So my plan is next year I will return to Ukraine for a month. This wow. time I'm going to do it very thoroughly. That was going to be my next question, Martin. Would you do it all again? So you've obviously made some good contacts you found some trustworthy people, and your mission when you get back home, uh, you, you've told me before we started recording, is to organise more fundraising to, to help these Ukrainian families. You haven't quite sorted that out yet, but you have a plan, a rough plan in mind. Were you able to make any other good contacts on the ground in Ukraine in terms of charities? No, the two main people um, uh, were... You know, mature men. I mean, one one of them there, um, uh, Dan. He he's Ukrainian. He can't leave his country because of the war. Thanks for uh, jumping on Zoom. Good to see you back in Paris, nice and safe. Thanks, Alan, very much.
Now to rewind the clock to another era. Recently I caught up with 94-year-old Ron Granderson, who is still a keen amateur radio operator since gaining his first licence, VK4RG, in 1956. Most of his working life was at Mount Crosby Water Treatment Plant as head works foreman, and before that he worked for the City Electric Light Company, or CEL. Ron is also one of the founding members of the Ipswich and District Radio Club, which celebrates 60 years this year. I asked Ron why he got into amateur radio, a passion he is still involved with every day through a daily hookup with local operators. I was up in Boona, and I worked for the CEO, and up in Boona was Roddy Tell, and uh, Roddy sort of started off uh, talking about radio and such like, and I converted an old broadcast re- receiver into um, um, into a uh, 80 meter AM, of course, those days, and I used to listen, and uh, of course that that started me off, and of course Roddy. Uh, Roddy uh, started me going up there. Then when I came to Whipswitch, there was um, there was Bob Linscott, there was Warren Heaton, there was um, Ross Cuttle. Uh, no, that 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 was uh, really how it started all off, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Ron Granderson was working at Mount Crosby during the 1974 flood, which saw the plant lose power as lines dipped into the floodwaters. Um, the, uh, the, the, the it was the uh, it was the high tension stuff that uh, oh, it was eleven or the thirty three I don't know which one it was but with the loading that was on the system the power lines had heated up and and they sagged and they sagged and they went into the water well when they went into the water of course they tripped the breaker so they cut the power off when they uh, when the, the loading went off the power lines came back out of the water again and we had power once again. And then after a while, uh, the, the same thing happened. Down she went and we lost power. We had dewatered all our wells at Mount Crosby there and um, we were almost ready to get back into full operation again and we lost the power and the water came up into our wells again. So that was part of why we were losing using all our oil. And anyway, somebody woke up to uh, to what it was, and they cut off uh, some of the uh, lo- loading around about the place. And uh, then, of course, the uh, the power line stayed up out of the water. Oh my word! They went down into the water. Incredible. Oh yes. Ron, if we can just diversify from amateur mm. radio and just talk about life in Ipswich uh, at the time. So. Were you born here or did you arrive? Joan was, but I wasn't. I okay. was Brisbane. You're from Brizzy? Mm. So when did you move to Ipswich? 1955. Okay, and this is before TV, because uh, that started in 59. Mm. Just describe life in Ipswich at the time, like the CBD and Saturday morning shopping and those sorts of things. Oh, what yeah. was life like? Well, see, in, in those days, Ipswich, people used to come up from Brisbane to Ipswich on the exhibition show holiday to do shopping in Ipswich because it was renowned as a good old shop. It was a working man's town mm-hmm. and um, it was a good place. You know, there, there was uh, T.C. Burns or there was Cribs or there was Lutfries and or there was, you know, all the places in there. And it, it was a good place to shop. Yeah, yeah, There's no doubt about it. And this is a time when coal mining and manufacturing was king, along with the railway workshops, of course. Mm. When did you think that 
sort of started to change? What did you see into the 60s and 70s? So let's start with the 60s. Or, or is that more recent? So the 60s and 70s were still pretty good? Yes, yes. Saturday morning shopping used to be uh, with us from, like I, we lived in Mount Crosby when we came into the Ipswich area. And um, Saturday morning was the shopping. Joan learned to drive afterwards and I didn't have to worry about it so much. She was able to drive in and do the shopping in the weekdays but when, and we didn't have to do so much on the, sh- on, on the, on the Saturday. But no, you, you, could get, you could get anything you wanted in Ipswich. You know, if you, yeah, no problems. We had good hardware shops, you know, and uh, no, I know that the cribs and, as I say, Bernie's there. That, that, that they were, they were, they had good stuff, no problem. And as a young married couple, what did you do for fun and entertainment? Listen to the radio a fair amount. You know that that was it. Oh yes, the radio over night time. You know, but when when TV came on, of course, oh marvelous. You know, so. <laughs> Yeah. Were you regular cinema goers or theatre or did you do any of that sort of thing? Yes, yes, yes. We used to go a lot. To the, there was a uh, there was an old um, picture show down in the bottom of town, um, opposite where Coles are now. There, there was the old movies were, were there, and then of course there was one over on the north side here where Billy oh, wow, was something other than the Chinese uh, place is now. The, oh, that's that the one the, just, just near Rialto, just near the school there. Yes, yeah. near the North Abbey School. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was another one of the theatres. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, the, we, we had the movies there, no trouble. Holidays in those times, yeah. uh, where, where were your holiday destinations? For four years we went up to Pialba. And for four years we had cyclones around about that time. So, yeah. so you see, oh yes, uh, but uh, uh, I had to take my holidays when they were due. I, I, incidentally, I started at Crosby on the fourth of July. I finished on the fourth of July. So that was. My and how many how many years thing. did you put in? Thirty one. Congratulations, well done. <laughs> Thirty one. I hear a lot of stories from. Um, Ipswich residents that the southern Gold Coast was the thing. In fact, even today, I think it's referred to as Little Ippy uh, because everyone would go to the southern Gold Coast for holidays. Did you? Were you part of that uh, group? No, but um, but uh, Maury Darwin, VK4AV, he uh, was a regular at Kingscliff. That was where they. That, see, he was one of the miners, and, and Kingscliff they used to go down there a lot. Crosby people used to go to Kira. A lot more so. That was uh, the, the holiday destinations in Christmas. Oh, yes. At least we were able to do it, and yeah. it was mostly carefree, and everyone had a lot of fun and got sunburned. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's, uh, oh, the, the regulars, you know, they used to book up from year to year. So let's, let's go back to uh, the 70s and, and into the 80s, and the town started to change. The big kicker was the uh, the fire in yes, what Cribs, became Reeds. Yes, indeed. Yeah, when when Cribs burned down, yeah, that 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 was the start, I think, of uh, Ipswich sort of deteriorating. The, the town centre deteriorating somewhat. Yes, and it co- coincided with the opening of the first part of Red Bank Plaza, so people couldn't get what they wanted in town, so they did go to the shopping centre down the road. Yes. Yeah. Did you were you part of that lot as well? We used to go down there, yeah. yeah it, 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 yes, it was for a while there. It wasn't all that good, you know. Once Crib went, as I say, that, that was the start, yes. And all our shopping habits changed and hours became longer. You should uh, do yourself a little favour next time and 
pop down there and park under what was the old Ipswich City Square. There's an elevator up to the ground level. Yes. And just have a little walk around. It's, uh, I think it's on the. T- I think it's turning for the better, and, yeah, and you'll be quite yeah. surprised. Well, as I say, Ipswich used to be a good place to shop. There's no doubt. Yeah. Ron VK4RG, it's been an absolute honour and pleasure to have a chat with you. Very good. Thank you indeed for coming. And a reminder, as usual, you will find handy links in the show notes. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au and click the donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts, or play Ipswich Today from smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.